We're working our way through the New Testament uh, book called Romans. It was written to the church in Rome. Uh, one of the main questions that it asks is uh, kind of what, where is it that we get the things that every human being wants their hearts to be wrapped around? There's, we're longing for something. And we want all of us to be invested in that something. Things like security, things like peace, things like affirmation, acceptance, love, and, and a kind of experience of goodness that is so powerful that it can't be interrupted or reversed. The word the Bible uses for that is glory. Everybody wants that kind of glory. It's healthy. It's good to want that. Who gets it? The book of Romans is answering that question with good news. It's saying, hey, Jesus has secured all of those things. And he will share them with anybody who puts their trust in him. That's kind of Romans 1 through 8. In chapter 9, after sort of camping out for eight chapters on, on this love of God that's showered on people through Jesus, raise the question, hey, did God break his promises of love? I mean, he said he would love the Jewish people. Not all of them have put their trust in Jesus. Did God break his promise? We saw last time that the answer to that question is no. Jesus secures God's love for anyone who trusts in him of every nationality. That includes people who are Jewish and people who aren't. Jews and the New Testament word is often translated Gentiles. It just means nations. People from the Jewish nation, people from every other nation, anybody who puts their trust in Jesus can have all of these blessings of God's goodness. Today we come to Romans chapter 10, which tells us that this good news about Jesus is not only available to anyone. It is such good news that we want it to reach everyone. Let's hear as uh, Jim comes and reads for us from Romans chapter 10. Our scripture reading is from Romans 10, verses 9 through 15. Um, as an aside, it begins with a conjunction, which sort of asks what's coming before it. And the context is the word, the word of faith that we proclaim and how it's near us in our mouths and in our hearts. Romans 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scriptures say, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him? in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, 
How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This is the word of the Lord. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You'll have to take Paul's word for it because I'm wearing shoes and socks. Um, That is not the kind of thing that we might say in our culture, right? How beautiful are the feet of those who evangelize would would be the, the way to say the Greek word in English letters. How beautiful are the feet of the people who bring good news. It might help us to understand it if we unpack the context of, of when that kind of language was used in the ancient world. Paul is quoting here from the prophet Isaiah. And uh, whether in Isaiah's day or even in the first century, this kind of language about beautiful feet of someone who brings good news would often be used in the context of war, warfare. What kind of good news would someone bring during a time of war? Well, these days, if somebody's going to bring good news, the feet aren't going to be involved at all, right? It's probably going to be thumbs or fingertips or, or a phone. But, but back in the day, if you wanted somebody to get good news and you lived a long way from them, there was only one way for it to get there, and it involved feet. Someone literally had to walk, or in the case of warfare, often a messenger would volunteer to run. You may know the story of how the marathon came to be. It happened after a battle. A battle is fought, and someone needs to get the news to the army that, that, hey, we won. You can stop fighting now. And someone volunteered to run the distance. And the legend is that he ran the 26 plus a little bit miles and then died after delivering the good. How beautiful are the feet of the person who brings the good news that the war is over. How beautiful are the feet of the person who says, it's time to lay your weapons down. You can stop fighting now. The battle is won. The king has proclaimed peace. How beautiful would that be if you're you're the one who's about to get your head smashed in with the sword? Yeah, you would start looking at that guy's feet and going, yeah, they look pretty good to me. I'm glad he came. I'm glad he brought this good news. Or even if you're the one swinging the sword, how beautiful would it be to hear, I can stop. I can rest. That's the kind of imagery that we're hearing here. When... People tell other people the good news about who Jesus is and what he's done. That's beautiful. It really is good news. Let's start there and unpack that idea for a moment. What kind of good news? Well, we've already hinted at it. Uh, It's this good news that you can stop fighting. So on on one level, and we, we talked about this a few weeks ago in our sermons on Romans, every human being is fighting for power, approval, comfort, security. Uh, if you read some of Pastor Tim Keller's 
writings, you would see those themes coming up. That those are things we're hungering for, power. We want life to go for us, not against us. And the more power we have, the more we feel like we can guarantee that life will go for us, not against us. Now it's an illusion. Nobody has the kind of power to guarantee that, but we think we can. And so we have this kind of hungry sense of, give me all the power I can get. I'll jump over anybody to get it. I'll hurt people to get it if I have to, because I want life to go well for me, not against me. Approval, I want to be accepted, not rejected. Comfort, I want freedom to enjoy life. I don't want to be eaten to death by stress piranha. Right, like, if you watch the movies where the piranha are the kind of the villains, and, and it's not like a shark movie where some gigantic thing is going to jump out of the water and swallow someone whole or and the piranha, it's always these tiny little mouths and tiny little teeth, and they just take these tiny little bites. And that's how it feels living in this world so often, isn't it? It's like, I'm just going to be eaten slowly <laughs> by a million things, taking these tiny little bites out of me. Everybody wants a little piece. And we want comfort. We want the freedom to enjoy life and not just be constantly under this cloud of stress that is just draining energy and goodness out of life. And we can make that kind of comfort an idol and, 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 and wrap too much of our hearts around it so that um, when we don't get the freedom to enjoy life, we, we just kind of explode on other people and we take it out on the dog uh, and, and we have unhealthy ways of reacting when our desire to worship the God of comfort is disrupted. <laughs> Someone barges in on my comfort worship service with their piranha, I might become that shark. Security, we want lasting peace. We don't want anxiety about what's going to be around the next corner in the future. And, and this good news about Jesus is the news that you can stop fighting. You don't have to keep fighting for that kind of life. You don't have to keep fighting for approval because Jesus has secured for you the love of God better than which there is no other love, more lasting than which there is no other. You don't have to do anything to make God love you more. He will never love you any less. Because of what Jesus has done, you don't have to stop. You don't have to fight for power anymore. Jesus has done everything necessary to turn all the power in the universe toward the ultimate good of his people. He's done everything necessary. We can stop fighting. He's done the fighting for us. One day he will come again and he will bring a kind of life that will give us the comfort and the security, that freedom to enjoy the present moment without stress and anxiety, that, that freedom from fear of what's in the future. Jesus said, well, what's in the future is all the power of the universe being turned to your good. What's in the future is all of God's love for you forever. Um, it is good news to hear that because of Jesus, we can stop fighting. False gods, gods like power and approval and comfort and security will never tell you that. 
they will tell you you can never stop fighting because if you want this, you have to do whatever it takes to get it. That's why the gospel, that's, that's an English word that means good news. That's why the good news about Jesus, the Christian gospel, is such good news. Because you don't have to do whatever it takes to get what you most need for yourself. That fear that we have to do it, that we can never stop fighting, is the thing that ultimately separates us from God. God, I cannot trust you to give this to me. I have to get it for myself. So will you excuse me while I take my heart somewhere else away from you? Because I can't trust that you will give these things to me. I must go do it for myself. How do we know that any of this is in the background of Romans chapter 10? Well, in Romans chapter 10, verse 6, earlier than we started reading, the Apostle Paul writes, the righteousness based on faith, this, this right relationship with God that comes not from what we do but from trusting who Jesus is and what he has done, says, do not say in your heart, I got to go up to heaven and get the good stuff I want. I got to go down to hell and bring the security and peace and power that I need. Don't say that in your heart. And when he does that, he's quoting from the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 4, warns God's people, do not say in your heart, it is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me into this land. He's giving his people a home, a place to live. His Old Testament people. Now, please, don't ever assume that you can draw a straight line from promises made in the Old Testament to the modern nation state of Israel. That is a dangerous assumption. Don't assume that. Those are two different entities. But here's God warning his people in the Old Testament. Once I give you this gift of a place to live in peace, flourishing, there's a danger that in your heart you're going to say, mm, yeah, I know why I'm here. I did it. I deserve it. I'm here because God knows how good I am. I'm here because I fought and I won and I did it. And God's saying, don't let your heart get like that. That's not good news. Good news is not. You can't stop fighting because you got to be good enough. You got to be strong enough. You got to get enough power. You got to earn approval. You got to you got to make people accept you because you're so darn lovely or strong or wise. The beauty of the gospel is good news. You can stop fighting and this good news is good news for everyone. Who gets to stop fighting because Jesus has won all these things for us? Well, let's just unpack some details from the scriptures. Listen to the repetition. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Saved is biblical language for delivered from every disaster you're afraid of. 
I'm afraid there won't be enough power. You'll be saved from that fear. I'm, I'm afraid God won't accept me, <laughs> that he won't approve of me. Delivered from the fear of his judgment, his rejection. It, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. You don't have to be afraid. You can stop fighting. Why? Confess, believe. And we hear the same two verbs again. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And the thing that's missing is a long list of everything you would have to do to prove that you measure up. Do you hear the deafening silence of these sentences? There's nothing in here that says... Here's the checklist. Once you go through this and you've proven that you measure up, then, then this is good news for you. No, it's like a two-step, like first you got to trust that someone else measured up because you didn't. That's Jesus. And then just say out loud to some other people, who trust him in that way that you're trusting him in that way <laughs> believe confess believe confess not do not prove not fight not win that's good news nobody has to prove that they did it nobody has to prove that they deserved it all you have to do is believe and trust that Jesus has done for whom? Everything that's needed? Well, listen to the repetition again. Four times in just a few verses. Everyone who believes in Jesus will never be put to shame before God. Everyone. Does it make a difference whether I came from like a very religious people who knew the Bible, the Jewish people, or, or like from some people who never knew the Bible at all and didn't really grow up religious or grew up worshiping all kinds of gods and goddesses that aren't real. Listen to what it says. There's no difference, no distinction. You didn't somehow go to the front of the line because you were Jewish or to the back of the line because you were Jewish. You didn't somehow vault to the front of the line because you didn't grow up around hypocritical religious people. You grew up this kind of freewheeling pagan. Like, no, the same Lord is Lord of all, everyone, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Anybody who calls on the name of Jesus, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. That is, it's good news for everybody. Nobody has to prove that they measure up. Nobody has to prove that they came from the right group, the right nation, the right background to be loved by Jesus. They can stop fighting. It's good news. It's good news for everybody. And it's good news that's meant to go to everyone. Let me ask a question. It's it's likely that some of us in this room today have heard good news about Jesus at some point in our lives. 
And it's likely that some of us in this room have believed that. Maybe many of us. I don't want to assume all of us. Let me just ask, how did this good news about Jesus get to you? Scripture names for us a process, things that happened. Let's unpack it in reverse. Um, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach? Somebody had to bring good news about Jesus into your life. Somebody had to bring it. They were sent. They, they proclaimed something about Jesus, some truth about him. Verb proclaim is here translated preach. At some point you had to hear it. Maybe you first heard it by reading something. You heard it with, through your eyes. <laughs> Maybe it was just hearing it in a conversation with someone else. How did you hear this good news about Jesus? Someone brought it to you. They proclaimed truth about Jesus to you or pointed you in the direction of people who could or, or pointed you to the scriptures. And you heard it and you believed it. And then you called on the name of the Lord. You confessed, hey, I believe this now. I'm, I belong to Jesus. You hear that process? It assumes that people who see the beauty of Jesus, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the... People who see this beauty want other people to see his beauty too. That's the assumption behind that whole process. If you have heard that this news is good, you want other people to hear that good news as well. You may not always know how to help, but there's something inside of us that says... This is not just for me, is it? It's for everybody. It's for anyone. It's for people from every background, every nation. This is good news for everybody. I want as many people as possible to have the opportunity to see the beauty of Jesus. I want as many people as possible to have the opportunity to hear this good news about Jesus. That's just the natural state of the heart of someone who knows Jesus. We want that. Who do we want to hear this good news? I'm going to name three groups here. Um, people who are experiencing what I'll call gospel silence, like people who literally have never heard Jesus exists. The Apostle Paul was writing the Romans. We'll see this in a few weeks when we get to the end of the book. He was writing them because he wanted people in Spain to hear about Jesus. And he's saying all over here around Greece and uh, Italy and, and around uh, Israel and Palestine, people over here have had an opportunity to begin hearing about Jesus. But I want to go to a gospel silent place. I want to go, he says at the end of Romans, I want to go to Spain. Literally no one has ever been there to say anything about Jesus. Will you help me get there? And so... Part of being a Christian is wanting people who live in that kind of gospel silence to have an opportunity to hear good news about Jesus. But we also want people who are experiencing this kind of gospel background noise 
like hearing some rumblings of there's some Jesus thing out there in the world. I'm not paying much attention to it. I'm not taking it very seriously. It's just background noise. I'm just kind of tuning it out. It's like when you live in Tucker and 285 is just always there, right? And our goal in buying a house was can, can the birds at least be just a, as loud as the traffic? We know that they won't drown out the traffic. Like we'll, there will never be a time we can't hear 285, but it's just background noise. We don't pay attention to it. We don't sit around and go, oh, do you hear that sound? It's just, and there, that's, how it's, that's how it is in the world often. That's what it would have been like to live in Rome in the first century. Hey, this, this news about Jesus is starting to get out where we live. A few of us are starting to know him and trust him. But there's still a bunch of people in Rome who have never heard about him, but, but they're starting to hear some rumblings. Can we take that background noise and, and foreground it for them? So as the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, I want to get over here to Spain. Will you help me go to Spain? He's also assuming, but you'll stay in Rome. And you'll help people there who are beginning to hear something, but need to hear it more clearly. And then there are people who will hear gospel echoes. I, I think that's where we are in Atlanta now. It's like, um, yeah, once somebody said something about Jesus, but it doesn't matter anymore. We've moved past that. In many places in the world, that period of gospel silence was penetrated by people bringing good news about Jesus, and it's kind of passed like a wave, and now the only thing that remains is this kind of faint echo. That's where we live. How do we participate in getting this good news to everyone? Um, I can't think about that question without thinking about my own story. I grew up in a I grew up in a small town in rural South Carolina where um, I think the assumption was made that everybody here knows Jesus. You know, the joke you've heard it once today if you came to 9:30 time, but there are more Baptists than people in my hometown. Um you know, kind of this, like, everybody gets the joke. We're all Christians here. I was not a Christian. Uh, in my house, we didn't talk about faith. We didn't read the Bible. We owned several copies of it, but never used it. Uh, there were heirlooms passed down from previous generations with these great formal inscriptions about how much we love you on the day you got baptized, but it wasn't real for us. I mean, it was never part of our... Well, so... Something happened. Um, I had two classmates who prayed for me for years, Don Arrington and Wendy O'Neill. And for years they would tell me they were praying for me, and I'd be like, whatever. I'm sure I was very rude to them when they would say that to me. They didn't ever say much else beyond that. Um, but they were praying for me, praying for me to come know Jesus. One day in high school, a teacher invited me to go along with her, her daughter, and several friends to church. A few weeks later, a church in Australia sent a preacher to preach in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina. What? 
Why? I don't know. That was the day that I came to faith in Jesus, um, listening to that man preach about Jesus. And in that story, I hear these kind of four ways to participate in what God is calling us to. He wants in town to help this good news about Jesus reach people we know who are living in this kind of gospel echo culture and moment. And here are the ways we do that. One is send. There's got to be an Australia in the story, right? In town needs to be the kind of church. You need to be the kind of Christian who's part of a church, whether that's in town or somewhere else. Be part of a church that sends people to all kinds of places to speak this good news about Jesus and only send it if they live it. Don't just send the people who are good at talking about it. Send the people who live it, breathe it, love it, and speak it. And if Intel stops being that kind of church, then go to a different church. That's how important this is. How are they to preach unless they are sent? Go. Well, the church in Australia had to send that preacher. He had to go. He came. Consider whether God is calling you to get some kind of special training and to arrange your time and talents around helping other people hear and believe this good news about Jesus. Some people arrange the majority of their time and talent around that. We tend to call them pastors or missionaries or full-time Christian workers. I don't like that phrase because every Christian is working full-time for Jesus somehow, some way, somewhere. But some of us are called to, to a different kind of going. Is God calling you to go in that way? Stay. My teacher didn't go. She stayed. She stayed in my little hometown. She stayed in her role as a teacher at the local high school. And when her daughter started inviting all these sleazy guys around who, you know, like, didn't know Jesus at all and we were kind of questionable character, she stayed. She didn't run away. <laughs> Stay right where you are. Ask God to connect you to people who don't know Jesus. Ask God to help you make mistakes talking to those people about Jesus. Pastor Tim Keller says the only way to learn how to talk to other people about Jesus is to do it wrong and learn from what you did wrong. And then go do it again. Or Randy Pope sometimes says, I like the imperfect thing I'm doing better than the perfect thing you're not doing. <laughs> Stay and pray. Wendy and Dawn, my classmates, prayed. We all have to pray. Jesus, help more people to know you. Help more people in Atlanta to know you. Help more people in my school, in my neighborhood, at my gym. Help more people to know you. Help more people in Australia to know you. Help more people in every nation on the face of this planet to know you. Help more people who live under my roof to know you. Jesus, send more people to help more people to know you. 
Jesus, use me right where I am to help more people to know you. Can we pray in those ways? Can we ask God to give us beautiful feet? Let's pause and pray together. Lord Jesus, how thankful I am for a man whose name I will probably never know. Who came from Australia to this tiny out-of-the-way place. No preacher ever said, send me to the middle of nowhere <laughs> because I want my name to be unknown. Raise up more people and send them everywhere around the world where there's gospel silence. Lord Jesus, how thankful I am for Linda Tyner. And the fact that she stayed, she could have gotten a better paying job somewhere else. A job with less hassle, she could have run away when... when we showed up in her class, at her church, at her home. Raise up at Intel more and more of her. Lord, how thankful we are for Jesus, whose feet are the most beautiful of all. Help us to help more people to know you. We pray in your name. Amen.